Welcome to the Automators. I'm David Sparks and joined by my co-host, Rosemary Orchard. How are you today, Rosemary? Well, a little bit of warning for our listeners. Today, of course, is the day that my internet has chosen to act up a little bit. So uh, we, we've put you in charge of the show just in case, because we have a very exciting guest. Uh, Jay Miller was telling us about Bunch a while ago, and he kind of twisted my arm after the show and was like, come on, make more use of this. It's a great tool. And so I sat down, and I spent some time playing with it and was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I need somebody to force me to use this more. And then you suggested a guest for today's show. And I immediately went squee uh, at a very high pitch and a very loud volume, uh, which I will not recreate here for all of those lovely people wearing headphones at home who would like to still have eardrums at the end of the episode. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. Welcome to the show again, uh, Brett Terpstra. Hey, it's so much fun to be here. Yeah. Brett, you're like the prime automator, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I, I get a lot of, like, attention. I... I've been a content creator for long enough that I'm I'm well known, but the most common way when people introduce themselves uh, that they heard of me is is I heard of you on automators or I heard of you on Mac Power users. So basically, I I think you are the gateway for most people to my stuff. That that's a compliment. <laughs> I'd like to think that you know the the shows that that Rose and I and Steve and I make really do have a pretty broad audience. Um, we had um, we had the Emojipedia guy on on Mac Power users, um, Jeremy Birch, and he like goes on like CBS and like he invented Emoji Day. You know, the guy is like kind of a big deal. And he wrote me and he said, "I got more nice email from being on Mac Power users than any of that other stuff." <laughs> I'd like to think that we have a nice audience, but but also a lot of people interested in automation and the the reason you are a frequent guest on both Mac Powers and Automators is because you're a guy who not only thinks of cool things, you actually build tools for other people. And that's what makes uh, you warm the cockles of my heart. <laughs> and uh. so so Jay Miller was on. And he's like, oh, yeah, a bunch. It's this really cool tool. And I knew it was a thing you were doing, but I didn't know it was a, like, thing. You know, I mean... It started because the first time I saw it, it was a very hacky tool that you put together probably for your own use. And you thought, well, I'll share it with people. But now it's like a, it could be a product. I mean, Rose and I have been playing with Bunch a lot leading up to this. And uh, we want to talk about that today. But but before we do, uh, since it's been a while since you've been on, let's just kind of catch everybody up. Brett is over at brettterpster.com. He has made a lot of great automation tools over the years, and we're going to talk about more than just Bunch on today's show. Another thing that Brett has done recently is you've taken a gig. You've gone legit, and yeah. um, you've suddenly you've got you know to deal with work stuff, and we're going to talk about how you automated that as well. So um, anytime we have Brett on, just strap in, gang, because there's going to be a lot of cool automation covered today. Yeah. So let's get back to Bunch. I, you know, Jay kind of really dropped the gauntlet for both Rose and I, and I've spent a couple hours now playing with it. And I'm going to give my basic explanation of what it is, but I'd like to kind of have you jump in and take over. Sure. Something that uh, Rose and I talk about a lot on the show are setups, you know, setting up your computer for a certain context to do certain work. And historically, I've done that 
a lot of ways, but the the current method that works best for me is keyboard maestro scripts combined with Moom shortcuts, you know, because window management is a key part of any setup system and, and Moom is so much better at it than keyboard maestro. So I just program the shortcuts and then use them. And, and that's fine, but it is also, you know, pretty tedious to set these up and you've got to really understand how to use keyboard maestro. Um, Brett has done a system where you do it with a text file where you just issue commands to your computer and you just create a text file. Once you learn the commands, you can fire it off and your computer does really cool stuff. And it's a great way to set up your computer. How'd you come up with the idea for it? Well, it, it very much what you're describing. Uh, like I wanted at, at the base level, I just wanted to be able to launch and quit a group of applications with one keystroke. And so obviously that was a combination of, uh, in this case, better touch tool and some Apple script. And uh, the process of doing it once, not a big deal. But once you start wanting to expand that and have different sets of apps in different groups, it just seemed like there should be, I just wanted to write it down in a plain text document and and like list the names of the apps and have them launch. And so that was where Bunch began. Yeah, and and just to explain how simple the syntax for Bunch is, if you want mail to launch in your Bunch, you type mail on a single line. That's <laughs> it. I mean, you don't have to put a secret code in or throw salt over your shoulder. You just type mail. And um, yeah, it's really, really clever. I mean, because this is not something you need to be a super nerd to do. I think that people, when the people say it's a text file, they immediately turn off and say, well, I don't know. You know, I don't know how to program Perl. I can't do this. No, this isn't Perl. This is like the no. easiest syntax in the world. If you look in the example one, so I've, I've got the example. I made sure to copy it before I started messing around with a whole bunch of things. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, if the example one, you use at, at, like that's like a, a two letter command. And that hides all visible apps. And so I immediately was like, okay, I need a template bunch, um, which I, I did with BBEdit because BBEdit has great template files. Um, and so I, I created a template bunch, which has got, you know, the, the title followed by at at. And then everything else goes underneath that. Because the first thing I do before, you know, doing all of these other things is always hide my stuff. And that was incredibly easy to rock. You know, there was no, oh, I have to learn this special syntax or anything. No, it was just at at and done. That was it. And honestly, that could be a bunch, just the at, at, two at symbols next to each other, because a lot of times as you're changing context, the first thing you want to do is clear the decks. And and having one like a hide all bunch is a pretty good idea. Yeah. I usually use command option click on finder if I'm doing it manually, but that leaves finder visible. Yeah. Yeah, always finder. You know, even like I struggle with this when I was trying to do this through Keyboard Maestro. I cannot hide that damn finder. It just refuses to go away. Uh, if everything else is hidden, it will. If it's if other apps have visible windows and you switch to finder and hit command H, it should hide all windows for you. Yeah. But if everything else is hidden, it's like Mac OS wants to have one app visible at mm-hmm. any given time. Yep. Yep. 
I've actually been trying to figure out something because um, with Finder, there is a way. Uh, so in, in the view menu or is it window menu? Yeah, window menu, merge all windows and then close. So I've been, I've been trying to figure out a way to do that with, with Bunch. At the moment, I'm still using a keyboard maestro macro for that. But maybe by the end of the show, I will uh, be able to uh, do this with Bunch. Or maybe not. Maybe it is right to do that with keyboard maestro. But I'm, I'm loving everything that I've done so far. The fact that I can toggle D&D is just... Yeah. Oh my god, that's a lifesaver. So much a lifesaver. So I'm now using this for all of my podcasting things. I've got a bunch for each of my podcasts because I can click a thing, it hides all of the the windows, it quits specific applications that I don't want running. Um, you know, like Discord ignores do not disturb, so I don't have it running unless I'm doing a podcast where it's also on Discord. Um and uh, you know, this this means that, you know, um things disappear and things appear and uh, do not disturb us on. And then at the end, Rose, I have another Rose, bunch Rose, of Rose, turns Rose, it You're off. like getting into the tiny leaves. Uh, let's, let's look at the forest I know, first. I know. <laughs> I'm, just, uh, I'm just getting excited because I want to give people an idea of the amazing stuff they can accomplish by the end of the episode. All right. So so let's let's talk through the forest first. Um, so to launch an app, you hit, you just type in the name of the app. Um, to hide apps, it's two at symbols together. So you can like focus an app too. If you... If you hide all apps and then you start launching apps, anything you launch after hiding is obviously going to be visible. So you can launch a bunch of apps and then uh, like put for me, if I'm working on documentation for a bunch, I really only need the sublime text window that uh, has the documentation project in it. Yeah. So I put at sublime text and that will focus. That'll hide everything except for sublime text. And you can do that at any point in a bunch. Um, and then you can run all like all the commands are just go in parentheses. And a lot of this is stuff you can do in Apple script, but it's way simpler than Apple script. You just put in parentheses DND and that will turn on do not disturb, uh, put dark mode and it'll switch your, your screen to dark. You can even, as of the latest update, you can even change your keyboard input language just by putting input source French and then suddenly you have a French keyboard. Yeah, I saw that. I'm like, how many people asked you for that feature, Brett? I mean, it's like one 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 person asked yeah. me for that, but but bunch is that kind of project for me where someone has an idea that I can see being at all useful and I'll probably try to figure out a way to do it. Okay, so I just want whenever I launch drafts, I want my keyboard to only have Latin characters on it. You know, Domina, Delta you know, say <laughs> if you can find a matching input source for that bunch can do it. Yeah. But it, it is great for like, I mean, at, at the most basic level, um, clearing the decks, getting the relevant apps open. Like if you want to suddenly just manage your email and you want to open on your screen, like left side of the screen mail. And then on the right side, your task manager and your calendar, um, you can create a bunch that'll do that. And it is a super simple script. It is at, at, and then mail, and then OmniFocus, and then Fantastical, or whatever your weapon of choice is. And that is a bunch, guys. Send a keystroke to Moom to arrange it all for you, because that's the one thing Bunch doesn't do. Yeah, and in fact, let's just talk about that right now, because window management, as I was saying, is a, is a difficult part of this, but you're using the same cheat I've been using historically with Keyboard Maestro, and that's just install moom because with moom you can set 
a grid on your screen and attach, you know, and, and define grids. Like it could be left half of the screen or bottom left half of the screen or middle two thirds of the screen or just almost anything you can imagine. And then you can tie a keyboard shortcut to that. And then all you do is you can trigger a keyboard shortcut with a bunch. So as long as you have moon running, and I guess you can make sure you have moon running, just put it in the bunch um, and then trigger the keyboard shortcut to arrange the windows. Here's my trick. So Moom has this uh, snapshot feature. Mm -hmm. uh, so you get all the apps you want to arrange on the screen, hide everything else, yeah. and then put them where you want them and take a snapshot. And then you can just give it a name. And then in your bunch, bunch can run AppleScript raw commands. You just start the line with an asterisk. Yeah. And then tell application Moom to arrange windows according to snapshot and then the name of the snapshot you made. Yeah. So at the end of the bunch, you, uh, and bunch can wait to run certain commands until all the apps that it launches have finished loading. Um, so then you just have it wait and then run that snapshot at the end. Yeah, I hadn't got to the wait command yet. How does that work? Uh, you just, so it, you, you have to use snippets, which is basically just reusable text uh, that you can uh, kind of import into a bunch. Yeah. And you can create embedded snippets by putting three underscores at the end of your bunch. And then anything after it is a snippet that you can reference with two left uh, angle brackets. So to do a, a, a waiting snippet, you just indent by one tab or four spaces and then uh, use the snippet syntax and anything that's indented like that will wait until all apps have shown at least one window. Or there's a five second, if an app says it's launched but hasn't shown a window for five seconds, there's a dead man switch that says, okay, we'll just assume it's launched. Yeah, things like QuickTime don't necessarily open windows when you open them. So, right. so that's a, a great workaround for apps like that because you know not everything has a window, at least to start with. <laughs> that is the problem with general automation tools. Dealing with every different apps uh quirks it's impossible to make something that will just universally do what it's supposed to do but i do my best yeah and honestly if you do something like this it's going to be the same apps every time i mean your calendar app isn't going to change so once you figure out the quirks of getting that app to work you're done you know it's not like you're going to be trying well if you're like this yeah. you might be trying a lot of new apps but the mm -hmm. okay, a couple uh inserts there on kind of follow up on moom you had talked about running an apple script to run a moom setup but you can also attach keyboard shortcuts to those setups in moom why wouldn't you just press the keyboard shortcut keyboard shortcuts are valuable there no matter how many hyper keys you have you, there's still a limit to how many sure. keyboard shortcuts you can have and in the case of snapshots like, I don't need to use a keyboard shortcut on that because I'm going to always call that snapshot from like a bunch or from some automation tools. So I just give it a name and call it with Apple Script. Yeah. And, and that just reminded me that you are an owner of a hacker keyboard. So we are going to put a pin in that and come back to that about you and your <laughs> keyboards. But the, um, uh, I have come across a bit of, um, uh, an epiphany on my keyboard arrangement shortcuts with Moom. I just want to share this with everybody because I'm very proud of myself. Um, 
you know, historically I've done it with arrow keys. I've tried to do it with number pad, but not all my keyboards have number pads. And it occurred to me that, you know, my fingers are always on JKL. So mm -hmm. now if I just hold down control command and just picture the keyboard in your, in your mind's eye, J is left side. K is full screen center, but not like um, full screen mode. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. L is right side. And then U above the J is top left. You know, O above the L is top right. Um, uh, right, um, right facing arrow is bottom right. And M below the J is bottom left. And then I use the, um, the I for top center. It's just, I've got the whole thing out. It's just great. And so it's like a little diagonal of nine keys around centered around, around K and all I have to do is hold down control command and I can put any window anywhere on my screen like a boss. Nice. That's pretty nice. Uh, I have to say my biggest problem with keyboard shortcuts um, is apps that have keyboard shortcuts um, that then end up conflicting with each other. That's why you always use control because no app ever uses control in its key combos. Well, my problem is actually default ones. So Drafts is a great application and I like its default keyboard shortcuts. But whenever I have ScreenFlow open, ScreenFlow wants to take over that uh, keyboard shortcut. Yeah. And I've tried changing this in ScreenFlow. I've contacted the people at ScreenFlow. I can change it when I open the app. And then the next time I open the app, it's reverted. Um, and sometimes it doesn't even take me closing ScreenFlow and reopening ScreenFlow for this to happen. I'm not quite sure what's going on there. It's clearly a ScreenFlow bug, but they've not got around to fixing it yet. And it drives me insane that I'm there and I press what I think is the keyboard shortcut to just open a quick new draft because I just want to take a note on something that I'm doing in my current ScreenFlow. Oh, I've started recording again. Ah, it, it drives me insane. So I, I actually have a keyboard maestro macro which interferes with this so that um, ScreenFlow never gets that message. All right, so gang, right now we are standing around a rabbit hole called keyboard shortcuts and we're all looking at it. We are going <laughs> to walk past it for a minute and then after oh, we man. talk about bunch, we're going to dive into this whole keyboard shortcut and hacking keyboard thing because Brett has a lot of information on this, and I, we we need to talk. That's all. I'm all right, say. I got to I got to shake this off. I was ready to dive know, right into the I hole. I know you're like, you know, you know, like what would they call those guys in Vietnam? The snake guys that would go down. Into I was just the, thinking it was more Mad Hatcher, Alice in Wonderland style. Yeah, well, whatever. It's uh, it it is a rabbit hole that we are going to climb in. I promise. But but I want to stay on target here with bunch for a minute because I think bunch is something a lot of people are afraid of and shouldn't be. Um, so we've talked through getting apps open, and then we're going to use uh, the call for keyboard shortcuts. What is? How do you do that? By the way, for people listening, how do you call a keyboard shortcut in bunch? Anything you put into square brackets will be typed as if. You had typed it on your keyboard. Anything you put into curly brackets will be executed like a keyboard shortcut. And you use uh, key binding symbols. So like the at symbol is command. The tilde is option. The caret uh, like shift six is control. And uh, dollar sign is shift. So you can create keyboard combinations inside of curly brackets. So just like uh uh, dollar sign option C would press the the key combination shift option C, or dollar sign tilde C would hit shift option C for you. 
Yeah. I've put a link to the keystrokes documentation for Bunch in the show notes already for people, just in case somebody wants to remember that. It's there and it's in the show notes. It's in the documentation and I've linked to it extra as well. I don't know if you noticed, but I redirected everything goes to bunchapp.co now, um, where as we record this, Currently, all of that documentation is for the beta, which is also the default download right now. But by the time this goes live, unless something has gone horribly wrong, version 1.4 will be stable and all of that documentation will apply. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by HPE Tech Talk. With HPE Tech Talk, you get news, tech insights, and world-class innovations are revealed in interviews with HPE's foremost thought leaders and changemakers. Hewlett-Packard is one of the gold standards in the tech industry, and they continue to innovate. In the most recent episode, they talk about Project Aurora and edge-to-cloud security. That's HPE's innovative approach to security from edge-to-cloud with fidelity across hardware and software. Learn about its deployment and its success. But that's just one episode. If you want to listen, you can get extra topics like how to tackle issues when it comes to high-performance computing applying tech for the good of the people, planet, and communities, and how cloud data experiences are changing. The show takes you straight to the source, interviewing some seriously impressive tech leaders like Dr. Michael Roberts from the ISS U.S. National Lab or Emily Christensen, a master candidate in applied data science at USC. Every episode has an interesting guest, and I learned something. Check out Tech Talk wherever you get your podcasts or search for Tech Talk Now or click the link in the show notes. Our thanks to HPE Tech Talk for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So let's go back to my example. You want to take mail and you want to put it on the left side of the screen. Um, all you would do is type the word mail. Then within the curly brackets, the the shortcut that you're using to move something to the left side of the screen with move. Yeah, that's it. Replacing the the commands with the right symbols, which are uh, keyboard combinations. Yeah, yeah, and you've got to learn that syntax, but it's on the website. It's not. Although, to be fair, I have made it so flexible that you can you can actually write out the words command dash option dash, you know, C, and okay. it will it will understand that as well. I didn't know that. Is it case sensitive? Does it matter? Nope. And you can also use abbreviations like CMD and OPT. And and this is why people are going to love this because, you know, yes, there there is a special syntax which you can use. And arguably, maybe you should use just because that way it's, it's very small um, and it's potentially easy to misspell command only putting one M in there instead of two or something like that. Um, or typing CTL instead of CTRL. Uh, for control, but uh, you know, it, you can do whatever you like. Always makes me laugh. Programmers always want to make it as small as possible, but <laughs> it's a text file. Just write it out because <laughs> yeah. six months from now, you're going to look at it and say, What the heck is this? And if you write it out, you'll remember it. I read Objective C uh, for a lot, a lot of what I do, and yeah. it took me a long time to get used to the idea of really long, very descriptive method names. Sure. But now that I now that I am used to it, I find myself applying it to Python and Ruby and all all of my other kind of coding adventures. I use these really long names that I normally would have thought, oh, this could just be an X, but instead I'm gonna name my variable with something very descriptive. Do your other programming friends give you a hard time for that? No. I I think 
I think the overall, uh, I think people have come to accept that that might be a, a better, more readable way to code. It's like file names. For those of us who switched from PCs and were used to uh, like eight character file names with three character extensions, this idea that suddenly we could have entire sentences as a file name, uh, it took me 10 years of using a Mac before I actually got <laughs> like totally comfortable with really descriptive file names. Yeah, always account for senility in your naming. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I just want to uh, take, a, take a moment to talk about the, the text file that is, you know, ends with dot bunch. And so you can give it whatever name you like. And so you have a file name, which means something to you. And then inside of the, f the file, you have a, a title section of the top, which looks to me like YAML. Is it YAML, Brett? Yeah. Or is yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's YAML-esque. Like it doesn't handle advanced structures like arrays and, and objects that YAML normally would. But it is basically key. It's a lot like markdown metadata too, or multi-markdown. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just key, colon, and then a value. Yeah. So you can specify the title there. Um, but then because it's a text file, you can include comments, uh, which means that, you know, you can, if you end up doing something like, I don't know, say you're trying to do something with Zoom and you need to give it five seconds before you can do something and you add a five second wait, you can add a comment to yourself to say, hey, giving five second wait because you know zoom needs five seconds um and so when you look back at it later you will know what this means hopefully because you wrote a comment to yourself um and that's something um i think a lot of people struggle with um you know the idea of writing a program which you're you're not necessarily writing a program here with bunch um you are just you know telling it what to do it's just like shortcuts only it's it's text um, it's a batch file yeah it is um <laughs> <laughs> you know it's it's very very simple um but add comments if you add comments to whatever your your automation is then when you code and look at it you know in in five minutes or five months or five years from now because maybe something's not working quite right or maybe you would like to um you know replicate some of it then you'll actually know what that is. Um, and I love the fact that blank lines are ignored and just don't mean anything because that means I can put tons of spacing in there and have a have a comment that says, okay, now open these applications, now open these files, et cetera, and it it works. Um, and that, you know, that's, that's something that maybe I've learned from programming. You always have um, some space at the end of a function and then you add a comment before a new function that tells people what it does and what it accepts as input and what it provides as output. That's something I'm replicating with Bunch. People don't have to do that, but I love the fact that I can, you know, stick with a formatting that's familiar to me. Have you been to the sample Bunches page? I, I went to the sample bunches page and then I decided that I was going to try and do all of this by myself um, first uh, and then go back to the sample bunches page. So maybe I should go look at the sample bunches page now. Because I was just going to say, because all of the all, the reason that bunch handles not just comments, but uh, multiple formats of comments with double slashes or pound signs or uh, you can even do CSS style comments like block comments where it starts with a slash star and then goes until the next star slash. Like all of that is because I wanted to really thoroughly document all these example bunches. It's mm -hmm. kind of like bunch can now create single site browsers all because I wanted to be able to display a, uh, a welcome, uh, an HTML welcome when you ran the example bunch. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> So now it has full capabilities. You can load up like you could have a single site browser for like Facebook Messenger that is 
sealed off from your other uh, browser uh, cookies and history and everything and have it open and close with the bunch so you can have like a social media bunch that has a dedicated Facebook window that saves your logins and everything. Um, Mm -hmm. I just went off. That was my own little rabbit hole there. But yeah. This whole thing has really great um, support for websites and URLs. And you can even specify which browser it opens in. So like if you've got Mm -hmm. a website that only works in Firefox or Chrome, you could have you could tell it open this URL in Chrome. Yeah, I I love this. I'm using it. Um, So Google Docs works fine in Safari on the Mac. Uh, There's no problem with it. But I like the fact that it's then in in a Chrome window because then I have Moom put Chrome in a certain spot. Um, And I do the same thing with Firefox when when I'm recording uh, automators. I I open it in in Firefox. Why am I doing it in two different browsers? Uh, It seemed like a good idea at the time. It probably isn't. I should probably change that at some point. But for the time being, I'm opening things in Firefox and Chrome. And then Moom knows that, okay, Firefox goes over here, Chrome goes over here, Safari goes over there on the other side, and and it gets resized much smaller. Um, And I really excited. I have another basic concept we really should tell people about. It so, and this developed early on in Bunch, but there's this idea of toggling bunches. So you can have all of these things happen when you open a bunch, but then you can also close a bunch that's already been opened and any apps that it launched will be quit. And any commands, like if it hid your doc when it opened, it'll reshow your doc automatically when it closes. And you can tell it specific things to do or not to do when closing the bunch using... Mm -hmm. Uh, basic like single character syntaxes. But like once you have, so for me, I run in what's called single bunch mode. When I open one bunch, it closes the last bunch. So I can just in with one stroke switch from like recording podcasts to editing podcasts. And it changes all the available apps and, and rearranges my screen with one click. Yeah, no, the single bunch mode was the first thing that I started experimenting with. Um, because to start with, I thought, well, no, I might want to use multiple bunches at once. And then I read through the example bunch. And of course, you have the option to include other bunches. Um, so yes. that means that I can write, you know, a mini thing, which is okay. So I, I pretty much like always need like these five apps running. So I have that included now in all of my bunches. Um, and again, oh, this is where oh, my template oh. file is nice. I have a so, tip yeah. for you then. Oh, yeah. Um, so you can also, in that front matter where you would define a title, you can have a line that says uh, single bunch mode colon ignore. Uh-huh. So then that bunch will then never never close when another bunch opens. It'll completely uh-huh. ignore the fact that it's open. Um, well, that might be very useful for me then. I like that. And if it's a bunch that only ever launches apps, but you never want it to close them, you can also set toggles false. And that will not, that will make it so it never appears as open. So it can't be closed. It'll only allow it to open. I love this. I'm I'm literally modifying this live on air. Perfect. Thank you. That is so exciting. <laughs> you can even <laughs> schedule opens and closes. So if you have a bunch, like you can set bunches as startup bunches. So every time bunch loads, it makes sure that bunch is open. Sure. And you can also schedule, like you can schedule at times of the day. You can schedule it to open on certain days of the week. You can uh, schedule it to open 
uh, every every like uh, give it an interval, open it, open this every hour or close this every hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can you can do all kinds of like uh, automate stuff that you always want running. You could make sure that 8 a.m. in the morning, it's going to launch all of those and have them running and then shut them down at five. Like you can do all kinds of stuff like that. I love it. And I've just linked to the front matcher stuff again in the show notes um, so that people who are looking specifically for all of this amazing stuff, they can find it. Yeah. One of the things you've done in this, and as soon as I saw it in there, I'm like, of course, Brett added this. It's um, thorough support for URL callbacks. And I use those so much on my Mac because, you know, OmniFocus projects are URL callbacks for me. Obsidian pages or URL callbacks. So I, I've got them sprinkled all over my system and you can embed them in a bunch. So if you want to make a bunch to do one specific project, you can get to all of the pages or, or app locations you need out of your bunch, which is really nice. Check this out. You can even, so bunch has a whole system of dialogues. So you can make a bunch, ask you, like offer you, do you want to work on which of these four projects? And then when you select one project, it can tailor the bunch to load specific files for the project you selected. And you can have text input. You can have multiple choice input. You can even, as of uh, last weekend, you can have uh, checkbox input. So you could have it offer you four different options and you can select as many of them as you want uh, and have it perform different actions based on that. Now, do you have to code those options in or can you make it dynamically choose them from some other list? You have to code those options in. Yeah. You can. So Jay and I were talking about being able to dynamically populate the dialogues. It's not available yet, but it is definitely one of those. One person asked for it, so I might do it kind of things. Yeah. I mean, just to have a very unique user experience. In fact, you could do this before you made my Latin plug-in if you wanted is <laughs> like i'd like you to look at my kanban page in obsidian and just show me everything that's an active project and populate that and then i could just trigger bunch and say okay i'm gonna go work on the smith contract now or i'm gonna go work is on there the- a way to get that data as it's, it's a markdown I, file like, on your drive oh okay yeah we can work with that yeah, it's the plug. It's a plug-in just to do things with it. But if you look at it, I'll send you the uh, the spec on the plug-in. It's a community plug-in, but it's really good. And it's basically it's a markdown. I think it's two hashes active, two hashes waiting. You know, so you could very easily see the list. Mm-hmm. If I add this before this goes live, you'll have to put an edit right here and say, "Oh, and Brett did that." Uh, you know, I'm never going to edit it. That's not me, but I will, I will write it in the post. How about that? I yeah, will. There we'll, you put, go. we'll put a link to it in the show notes. Yeah, so people <laughs> keep an eye on the show notes. Uh, and if you don't know about the show notes, then you should, because they are, they ought to be right there in, in your podcast player. And if they're not, then you can just check the episode page at really.fm slash automators slash show number, which you could, you could automate that. And guys, this is one of the reasons why Brett is one of my favorite nerds. Cause like you just openly speculate about some dumb idea <laughs> and he's like, Oh yeah, I can probably have that in the next build. <laughs> well, we're not going to hold you to it being in the no, next we're not. build, no, we're but not. Uh, we, we are going to hold you to this is amazing. And you're going to keep working on it because I'm really, really enjoying this. Um, Speaking of callback URLs, um, Bunch has its own URL URL handler. 
Okay. So you can go two ways with it and you can easily create like an OmniFocus task and in the note for the task, have a link that launches a bunch and the URL handler can take variables. So you can create a link that launches a bunch and does something very specific with it. Makes it really easy to integrate across all of your applications. Well, and that's the nice thing about Bunch is because it's a text file, you could easily duplicate it and tweak it very quickly. Mm -hmm. And that is the reason why I'm really attracted to this for this purpose. I mean, Keyboard Maestro is still an amazing app, but I still use it all the time. But I feel like this might be a more efficient way for me to handle the setup issue. And I don't even need to pass a variable to Bunch. I just need to like, because for me, kind of mission control for me is Obsidian. Every project I have has a page in there with a bunch of links in it. Like I've got a link to OmniFocus or I've got a link to the relevant files using Hook. But I could have an entry in there for a bunch too. And I just click it and it sets my desk up for that project. Which would sound and like a lot of can load OmniFocus for you too, like make it one link. It could do everything. It could run the the URL from OmniFocus, and it could open Finder to the URL callback using Hook to the project folder, and that would sound like a lot of work, but it's not because if it's templated, like all my legal projects have the same setup, but I'm just changing the locations, making a bunch of a bunch of bunches, I guess that's what you call it. Yeah. Making yeah. many, several bunches for these specific active projects would allow me to to be in Obsidian and literally make my computer jump into that project with one click. And that, to me, is very exciting. Yeah. Well, and to your point, like, I love, I love Better Touch Tool. I love Keyboard Maestro. I love Hazel. Like, these are... I, I'm not trying to replace those. There are some things, though, that like building a context, it's just way easier for me to just type it out rather than having to use a UE and and add actions to macros. And like that gets time consuming. And uh, honestly, for the kind of stuff Bunch does, I find creating macros for it frustrating, uh, which is why, you know, I thought, this plain should just, just be plain text. Yeah. yeah. Um, we haven't even mentioned, well, we did mention briefly, you can fire off an Apple script with an asterisk. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's yeah. it. You know, type it in. But you can also do other types of scripting. So this actually can run very deep if you want to go down that down that path. And with stuff like shell scripts, uh, it even offers script monitors. So you can see the output and uh, the standard out and standard error output from a running script. And you can, uh, with Windows that Bunch creates, things like uh, task monitors and single site browsers, and it can, it can display anything that has a quick look preview, it can display in a window. All of those can be arranged, and you can give it very specific pixel positions, widths and heights, uh, colors. Uh, like All of that is completely manageable within Bunch, unlike apps that it happens to launch but yeah i i lost my train of thought i no, I, I mean i, I, I the, diverted my rabbit hole diverged the, the pool runs deep i i and really my goal for you having you here today is for people who haven't even launched bunch to download and try it because i think you don't have to go down shell scripting you know road oh, no. to make this a really powerful tool but but just for a second here let's indulge ourselves okay uh forget about the beginner stuff what is the craziest thing you've seen somebody do with Bunch now that you've put it in the world? 
Oh, I, I think I still have the craziest bunches I've seen. Jay definitely is the the guy who pushes the limits the furthest um, among like the current batch of beta testers. If there's going to be, if, if anyone's going to say, hey, it does this, but I wish it do that does this, it would be Jay. Yeah. Um, my podcasting bunch is is fairly complex. There's a skeleton version of it on the sample page, but it basically it does a lot of what Rose was talking about. It quits some apps like for me, it quits. Uh, I have a bunch called comms that is messages, Slack, sure. Discord, Twitter, like and I have so, a set so of those all the exact same thing. I did it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and those launch and quit as a group. So my podcasting bunch, the first thing it does is quit the comms bunch. Yeah. But because when I'm podcasting, I usually do want messages and Discord up. Those right after the line that quits that bunch, messages in Discord launch and bunch will check before it quits any apps in a bunch. It'll see if those apps also exist in the new bunch. And it won't quit those. So it leaves those two alone. It turns on do not disturb. It sets my audio output and input and volumes uh, before loading up Audio Hijack. Opens up NV Ultra to my uh, podcasting notebook. Loads up Audio Hijack. And then it sends key commands to open the sessions window of Audio Hijack. Hit Because you can't, you can't open a specific session in Audio Hijack. Uh, without the mouse, which is annoying. So yeah. it hits, hits for me, it hits the right arrow 13 times yeah. and then hits command O and yeah. then switches back to that window and closes it and has me all ready to go. Uh, loads up Skype, opens Firefox with my my uh, sponsor list and then runs a Moom, uh, a Moom snapshot to arrange it all for me. It gets, it's pretty intense. I'm on this campaign to get Mac app developers to become more automation friendly. And I found an avenue that works. And that is because people don't want to deal with Apple script implementation Ugh. or, you know, whatever the, you know, whatever the hang up is that they just don't want to go there. Cause I, I feel like audio hijack is nearly a perfect app, except it is not that automation friendly. And not so, at all. so what I tell people now is like add a single menu item where users can add their favorite actions from your application, like an audio hijack, it would be your, your favorite, you know, audio recipes. Or I just like talk the guy because timer, he's coming out with a Mac app. And I'm like, just put all the timers in the menu bar. That's all I need. Once you put it in the menu bar, I'm home. I can, I can automate it, you know? Well, and being like, so in the case of forklift, which is my favorite file manager, there's a lot of automation that it cannot do that Finder typically with a little, actually with a lot of Apple script, you can make Finder do it, but you can't do it at all in Forklift. But Forklift lets you add uh, custom keyboard shortcuts for just about everything. Yeah. And including like save sets of windows and tabs and you can just assign a keyboard shortcut and then something like Bunch can easily just trigger the keyboard shortcut for it. Yeah. Well, that's that's all we need is we need it in the menu bar. We need a keyboard shortcut and and the automator nerds are, will do the rest. We're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we will. As we're recording this, they just released Dark Noise, which is, you know, one of my favorite apps for white noise. I, I need a white noise app running almost 24-7. And um, 
Charlie Chapman, not that one, but the Charlie Chapman, the app developer, Charlie, uh, I sent him a note. Hey, Charlie, give me a menu item. That's all I need. And he wrote me back. He's like, oh, that's a lot easier than Apple script. Yep. Yeah. Apple script is not fun to implement. Yeah. Well, um, uh, gang, we're going to talk, we're going to go down that rabbit hole. We're going back to it in just a minute, but if you haven't tried bunch, you should, I believe contextual computing is the thing, you know, being able to set your computer up to do your bidding for you automatically means you get your work done faster, helps you switch and engage your brain. And Brett has made an amazing tool for it. So go uh-huh. download it. We release the show on Friday for a reason. You can, you have the whole weekend to figure out bunch. I will interject. I had strong plans. I, I had solid plans to make bunch of commercial app. Yeah. Uh, and even if it like I was going to probably do a, a low subscription price on it. But then I got this fancy corporate job. And so, A, I don't need the money as much. And B, I don't have time to support another commercial app. I already have sure. two. And uh so I'm keeping it as a labor of love for the time being and for the foreseeable future bunches free. Uh, we'll call it donation where you're welcome to pay what you can for it, but it, it will continue to be that. I feel like I need to sign up for like the recurring Brett Terpstra subscription plan where I can just give you money on a regular basis for all the cool stuff you make. I'm offended that you haven't. <laughs> Do you just have one of those? Brett yeah, brettterpshire.com slash, I think I support, like like I have a donate button. Yeah, if you go to brettterpshire.com slash support, you can sign up using Memberful or PayPal and just send me three bucks a month for all this stuff I make. I'm going to. I'm, as soon as we hang up here, man, I'm going to do that. <laughs> this episode of The Automators is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends at Smile. Text Expander removes the repetition out of work, so you can focus on what matters most. Say goodbye to repetitive text entry, spelling errors, and trying to remember the right thing to say. When you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. It's better than copy and paste and better than scripts and templates. Text Expander snippets allow you to maximize your time by getting rid of the repetitive things you type while still customizing and personalizing your messages. Text Expander can be used in any platform, any app, anywhere you type. Take your time back and increase your productivity with Text Expander. I use it every day. I feel like a computer without Text Expander installed on it is like typing with one hand tied behind my back. I just really use it for everything. And the thing I love about Text Expander is it's not just simple text replacement. It allows you to use automation, which we love here, of course, on the automators. It allows you to uh, automatically insert dates and months or fill in fields or even access your clipboard. It's way more powerful than any other, you know, copy and replace tool. So as listeners of the automators, you can get 20% off your first year. Just go to textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. Once again, that's textexpander.com slash podcast. Use the same tool that Rose and I use every day to get our work done. Text Expander is awesome, and you can get 20% off with that link. Our thanks to Text Expander from Smile for their support of the automators and all of Relay FM. So, Brett, can we drag David down the keyboard shortcuts rabbit hole now? Do you reckon it's going to work? willingly willingly take me so brett hyperkey yes. ma- maestro wh- where are you at with keyboard shortcuts right now how are you doing your hyperkey 
Are you still using Carabiner? Are you using something else? So uh, Better Touch Tool added the capability. But last time I tried it, it wasn't as uh, as lag-free and and seamless as using Carabiner Elements. So I still am currently using Carabiner Elements, but I use Better Touch Tool so much that if it becomes truly viable, I will gladly consolidate and just do it all in, in Better Touch Tool. Yeah, and I'm hearing reports from people on Apple Silicon having significant problems with Carabiner. Mm-hmm. Oh, I am not. Even even with SIP enabled on my M1, I, Carabiner works fine. The latest versions do. Yeah. Well, I heard from one listener who was having crashes until he uninstalled Carabiner and then it started working fine. So oh, I, 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 have, I have not had that trouble. Yeah. So either way, I, I've been running it just on Better Touch Tool and it's been okay. But uh, for the listeners who aren't aware, HyperKey, I think, did you coin that term, Brett, or did you get that? No, so- I, I did not. I got to give credit to... Uh, Oh man, I've even forgotten where it came from. Uh, there was an article called like Space. Oh, I've... I will find a link. It'll be in the show notes. A link to the original HyperKey. Uh, if you Google HyperKey, my name comes up before it now because I've been using it so much. But yeah, the earliest record I have found so far on your website dates back to 2013. Nope, 2012. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm just going to keep digging until I find that Steve, Steve Losh. That's perhaps. it. That's there the we one. go. Because that was linked in your 2012 article. I will put that in the show notes. But the idea is, you know, as Brett was saying earlier, you know, we have limited real estate for keyboard shortcuts on our devices. I mean, there's a bunch that Apple has already built into the system. We can't use those. I mean, command C is taken, right? Um, but, uh, there are keys that you can use control key and option or combinations of that or combinations of control and option and shift are always good resources, but we want more. And, uh, Steve Losh came up with the idea and Brett has followed up on it. And I'm a total advocate of this as well of a, a what we call a hyper key, which is the combination shift control option command, which is basically all three buttons to the left of your space bar plus shift. Um, but that is a quite a finger tangler to hit all those four as a uh, modifier key. But uh, instead of doing that, you attach it to the caps lock key, which is the hyper key. So the caps lock key that we never use, instead you convert that into a shift command option control. And then you can combine that with a whole nother set of keys on your keyboard. So like hyper key D could open a new drafts note. So Rose wouldn't have that conflict with screen flow anymore. Yep. Yep. And then I just have to train my brain to use that keyboard shortcut, which I never, ever used in screen flow. And it became a default when drafts arrived on the Mac. And then my brain immediately went, yes, I like this. I shall use this only to discover that something else had already co-opted it. Yeah. So if you want to take that a step further, then you get into key sequences and you can do this with uh, Keyboard Maestro. You can do it with Better Touch Tool and you can do it with uh, if you want to hack your own key bindings file, uh, basically make it so that like on my on my keyboard, if I hit uh, hyper S, it opens up a, a launcher like a, a macro group in keyboard maestro and then another letter will launch an app. So instead of yeah. taking up hyper key S with say Skype, I can make it hyper key S and then I have to hit S again to launch Skype, but any other letter. So like your entire keyboard opens up again 
And so it's like gateways into new groups of hotkeys. A lot to memorize, but... A lot, but not that much if you use those bunchings. And the way I do that in Keyboard Master, I'm curious how you do it, Brett, is I actually just use conflict palettes for it. Because with the Keyboard Maestro, it auto-generates the um, the secondary key presses. Like, for me, Hyper Key M is Max Barkey. And from that, it's a, it's a full list of items. It fills the screen. But if I type Hyper Key M and then F, then it brings up the Focus Podcast. Or if I hit Hyper Key M, then A brings up Automators. And if I hit, yep. uh, if I hit Hyper Key M, then A, then G, it opens the Google Docs for automators and those get under your fingers a lot faster than you think they would. Yes. Or you could use hyper key B to trigger all your bunch, your bunches. Yes. I, I actually have quite a few of my bunches on uh, exactly that kind of grouping. There's a, there's a bunch folder in keyboard maestro, uh, but I actually mostly launch my bunches from my stream deck, which is kind of a whole other keyboard shortcut thing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. See, we're we're in rabbit holes and rabbit holes, guys. I mean, yes. Yeah. Rose, how do you deal with running out of keyboard shortcuts? As Stream Deck, and I recently purchased a CAD mouse, which has more buttons on it. <laughs> what, a, a what mouse? I haven't even heard this. A CAD mouse. Uh, so uh, this is primarily for people who do uh, 3D modeling and things like that, which I'm, I'm getting into a little bit because I recently purchased a 3D printer. Um, but, um, a, a CAD mouse, basically it's, uh, so I'm using it with my left hand. Um, and, uh, it, so it's got like a, a scroll wheel type thing on it. It's meant for manipulating 3d models also works pretty well for editing audio and video. Um, at least, uh, in my trials so far, but it's got a whole bunch of extra buttons on there, which I can program, but mostly I'm using my stream deck and folders and profiles within my stream deck for handling all of that because the folders and profiles in stream deck make a huge difference and being able to easily switch uh, from one uh, profile aka context to another gives me you know it gives me 32 buttons which can be folders as well so i really like that well it, it is a challenge honestly you know finding your way around it in the hyper key was awesome because it opened up what another 30 or so keys you could use Another trick you could use is get a keyboard with a 10 key on it, even if you're not an accountant. But that, you know, that 10 key, although it makes it a little farther reach to get to your mouse, uh, it gives you a whole panel of buttons you can automate. Well, and you can buy those separate too. Yeah. I have a, I have a 10 keypad that's uh, just a little USB one. Yeah. And then you could do what Brett did and buy the Ultimate Hackers keyboard. Okay, so Brett and I have this ongoing text thread and we talk about stuff, but about every six months, I will text him to ask him about his keyboard because it like it surfaces in my brain that this would be something I would like. But then I look at the pictures and I look at all the cables and it just seems like a lot of work to me and I never buy it. Tell us about your hacker keyboard, Brett. What do you mean all the cables? It has a... It it's it's wired so it plugs in, but then there's one cable that connects the two separate halves of it. Yeah, that bothers me. That bothers me. <laughs> but how, how are you going to have a split keyboard with no cable? Yeah, I, I like don't that's, know. I don't know. But that's kind of the the point of it, though, is that it's a split keyboard, and you can attach the feet in ways that either make it tent from the middle or in from the sides or. Tilt forward, like so you can tilt it on whatever axis you need to, 
And then it has no function keys. It has no arrow keys. Everything is done by, like, if I want to hit the right arrow, I hold down the mod key, which is under where the space bar would be for my right thumb because I switched them. And then I hit I, J, K, and L for arrow keys. Yeah. And once you get used to that, it's you never have to leave the home row of your keyboard. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you are a big advocate of this keyboard and, and it's really an amazing keyboard. It's modular. So like you want to put a little thumb mouse on it, you can do that. Um, or a little trackpad, you can do that. And too. I have those now. Okay. They they haven't like they haven't officially ever shipped the modules after like four years. Oh really? They send out send out updates every month. Here's where we're at with the module development. But they put me I talk about it enough that they put me on like the beta testers. Sure. Um and so I have all of the modules and I have tested them all. And I have the V2 of the keyboard. So that's what I'm using now with RGB backlighting and everything. Uh, but yeah, like it, it, all the, the modules and the keyboard are all fully programmable. So you pop up, uh, it's called the agent and you can change what every single key does, uh, on all the different layers, like the function mod. And there's a mouse layer. If you hold down the mouse key, the arrow keys move your mouse instead of the cursor. It's yeah, it's cool. I, you know, as soon as I brought this up. I knew that Rose was going to be tempted and her silence makes me think she's like buying one right now. (laughs) I'm not, but I I have a very important question for you, for you, Brett. We're going off side rabbit hole here. Hold on to your hat, David. Uh, So RGB backlighting, is this uh, per key backlighting? Is this um, a whole keyboard is one color at a time backlighting? How, how is this backlighting working? It is per key. Okay. And like if you hold down one of the keys that modifies the, the keyboard. So like if I hold down the mod key, it highlights the like the arrow keys for me. And it highlights the keys that I've assigned special functions to with a color based on what kind of function they have. So it's mm-hmm. actually like in general, I, I don't care about RGB backlighting. It seems like a, a nice to have at best. But this is actually pretty functional. Uh, I can appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I was going to ask if it's tied to the function keys and stuff. So I so I have tried split keyboards before. Um, it was primarily the the Microsoft one, um, which I believe Marco Arment uses, the, the black one. Uh, I tried the Surface one, the gray one. Didn't really like it all that much. It was just, ugh. I don't know something about it, um, but I, you know, I, I, I've tried split keyboards and I kind of like them. Sometimes they're sometimes they're great, sometimes they're not so great. But I have at least one finger which likes to complain about things, so I need to find a, a decent keyboard which will help my hands. So I, I may, I may be going down that rabbit hole at some point. I don't know. I've got a new keyboard with a Touch ID arriving with my new purple iMac, which apparently has shipped. Enter dramatic music here. I I am looking forward to getting that uh, that keyboard, but I can't work without the split keyboard. I can't. I also can't use a static split keyboard where it's all one piece. Like I need to be able to position the two halves correctly for like my personal ergonomics. So I don't do well with anything that uh, my where it's split, but they decide where my hands go. Yeah, yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why I struggled more with the Surface. It felt it was a, a different setup to the previous one, the previous Microsoft keyboard, um, and that just you know caused 
problems basically for me um and uh it was also a, a, a angled a different axis and that's not great but i really love the idea of uh keys lighting up differently depending on what function mode you're in david i bet you could use this for context switching you know program it to change colors so so you can have i don't know green for mac power users red for automators blue for focused i um, i've gone down this rabbit hole i've even had it in my cart but I just can never bring myself to buy it. And when you look at it, it looks like, I feel like it's like, if you ever read about how they used to make cars, you know, like now they have an assembly line and the car goes through, but the old days, like they, the one guy would build a car. Like, you know, he, he'd start with a piece of steel and like a craftsman, like a furniture craftsman, he would end up with a car. I feel like this is the factory for the ultimate hacking keyboard. There's like a bunch of really smart guys with little, tables where they build the keyboard artisanally it's not you know? even a bunch i think yeah. there's two guys yeah the the beta that i'm using was hand soldered by one person yes exactly like it was built from scratch for me that's the feel these keyboards have and i kind of like that and then the other piece of it which brett hasn't even gone down as far as brett is capable of is you can get into the source code of this keyboard you can like when they say hacking keyboard they mean it i mean you can reprogram if you say i'm tired of a being an a i want a to be an f you know you could do that with this keyboard even more than that the entire all of the hardware and software that that does everything is open source like you not only can you reprogram the keys you can reprogram the program that reprograms the keys yeah like it's 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 turtles all the way down yeah and it seems like that would be a fun project to get one of these and just see where it leads you. But then I think, man, I have a lot of work to do. I, I feel like if I <laughs> bought one of these, I would lose days into this keyboard. You, you got to want to. It's, it's a, you, you got to want your free time to go to that kind of thing. Yeah. But I know some of your free time has. So what are you doing with it? It's such a like ingrained part of my life now that I don't think about it all that much. So I do a lot of key binding hacking. Uh, you're probably familiar with my massive key bindings file for Mac OS, uh, which still works with Big Sur and uh, Apple Silicon. I, yeah. I love that it does. Um, so a lot of my keyboard hack hackery isn't specific to the UHK. Sure. Um, however, I do have it customized to the point where even if I got another UHK, I wouldn't be able to use it. <laughs> um, like I've, I've customized mine to the point where the keys are exactly where I want them to be, but not, and I, yeah, I certainly, if I try to type, if I take my laptop and try to type on the Apple keyboard, both, it feels wrong. Like my, I don't, I don't, I don't have feelings in some of my fingers, so I can't feel the edges of flat keys, which makes it hard to like touch type. Mm -hmm. So I can't, I can't do it, uh, hardware wise, but also if like, so my hyper key is also an escape key. Is yours that way? No, no. So if I hold down the hyper key and press a letter, then it's a hyper key. But if I just tap it, it's an escape key, which for people like using Vim escape is something you use all the time. And it's very ingrained in my muscle memory that I don't go up to the upper left for escape. I use the caps lock key. 
And uh, so using other people's keyboards in general never works well for me. Now, are you doing that with a key binding or is that part of the, the hacker's keyboard? Uh, it, well, it's part of my carabiner. Uh, the What do they call it? The setting in carabiner. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it has an it has an if if pressed with another key, do this. If just pressed alone, do this. Yeah. Uh, you can also do that with the UHK agent. But I found it better to just do it all through Carabiner right now. Now, if you use your laptop and you don't have your ultimate hacking keyboard with you, is it hard for you to work? Yes, very. Yeah, interesting. I don't. I don't actually work on my laptop. I'll. I'll do some writing. I can. I can write as long as I'm not trying to like hit key combinations and do anything special. I can open up Multi Markdown Composer and I can write a blog post on my laptop without too much pain. But doing any kind of actual like coding or uh, anything that involves my very custom keyboard layout uh, is kind of pointless for me, mm-hmm. which is why I bought I, when it came time for a new computer. I just bought a mini because why if I can't use a laptop as a laptop, what's yeah. the point? I'll just get a I'll, I'll put the extra money into pimping out this Mac mini and I'm really happy with the decision. Yeah. It's a really good computer now. It is. It really is. I really miss mine. I'm just, I I had to return it because the second that they said purple. (laughs) Yeah, Rose Rose had a Mac Mini for for like a few days and then they announced the IMAX. Well, so I bought it because at that point, because I thought they're going to release something and either it's going to be, you know, it's going to be the, yes, I should have an M1 Mac Mini or it's going to be the, I, I should not have an M1 Mac Mini. Uh, I should be getting whatever the thing is that they announced. And then they said purple. And it was just like, okay. I, I wasn't all that sure on the iMac, but I was considering adding another monitor to my setup and everything anyway. And then, yeah, they said purple. So I held out until after that keynote before I decided to buy the Mac Mini, but the iMacs did not excite me enough to change my Mac Mini plan. Yeah. I did, however, immediately order a new Apple TV remote. Yeah. Same. Or a week later, anyway. I, I got one, and then I bought a second one, because it, it ruins you. <laughs> it does. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Discourse. Discourse was founded in 2013 by Jeff Atwood from Stack Overflow, Robin Ward, and Sam Saffron. It's a powerful, flexible, open-source community platform where discussions are searchable so you can find all the relevant details for your project. The platform is designed with moderation in mind, helping you keep the discussion on track and high value while minimizing the impact of trolls and spam. And it integrates with Zapier, Patreon, Memberful, and more. I love how internet communities can both be very close-knit, but also just let other people in and anyone join the conversation. Of course, that's assuming they're not a spammer. And forums like Discourse help you build a community by linking people to pre-existing topics when they create a new one, if it seems relevant, and helping people learn how to use the software. And of course, we use Discourse here at Automators at talk.automators.fm, our very own forum. And it's brilliant. Discourse offers a 100% 14-day free trial, and after that, plans start at $100 a month. And the folks at Discourse are giving Automators listeners 50% off your first two months after you start your subscription. Just go to discourse.org and use the coupon code RELAY2021 when signing up. That's discourse.org, 
code RELAY2021 when signing up for 50% off your first two months. And I also wanted to mention their new offering, Discourse for Teams. It's perfect for smaller teams or businesses using Discourse to collaborate. And because it's a private focused Discourse instance with added features, including the new sidebar, automatic icebreakers, team updates, and more, it helps teams work together more effectively. There isn't currently an offer code for the Teams offering, but plans start at $20 a month. And if you want to learn more about that, you can go to teams.discourse.com. Our thanks to Discourse for their support of this show and Relay FM. Um, I we have been throwing around the term key bindings a bit, and I don't think we've ever talked about it on this show. And there may be some listeners that are curious. Could you explain what you mean by key bindings and how you're how you're pulling that off? Okay, so macOS has an underlying text system, and it's 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 in any text field whether it's a single input field or uh, like the editor in your favorite text editor, it all uses this underlying text system. And uh, there are key combinations that are built into it, like control A is beginning of line, control E is end of line. Those are like Emacs shortcuts. And you can expand those, but there's a file in your user library key bind, you have to create it, but key bindings, and it's called default keybinding.dict. And it's a plist format. And you can basically say, if I hit this key combination, do this with the cursor. So it's stuff like inserting text or moving to the left, moving to the right, changing your selection, but all kinds of basic text editing um, uh, maneuvers you can do you can put on like if i hit option s it'll select the entire current paragraph i don't have to hit command left to go to the beginning hold down shift hit command right to go to the end i just yeah. hit option s and then i can do things like run search link um so i have a key binding file that's got to be let's see how many lines is my key binding file 100, 200, 417 lines. That's a lot of lines. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, that is it's well commented. So at least half of those are comments. Yeah. But it is it is a long file. Well, I mean, this is something that people can really use. And it is a little kind of, you know, hacky to get it set up. But once it's set up, you can really make things work for you. And you can use that key binding file on a laptop or a desktop or whatever. So you don't have to worry about losing it. And it works in every app. Like no matter what app you're in, you can have your key bindings that do the things you most frequently do and it'll just work everywhere. Yeah. And this is why Brett had to get down the hyper key road because frankly, you ran out of shortcuts probably. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> I mean, there are worse things to run out of. You'll be proud of me, Brett. I've been doing a lot of Vim lately because I'm really sold on Obsidian. I'm doing so much work in it that they have a Vim mode I've enabled. And I get it. I can see how this is faster, you know? Yeah, it really is. It takes, it's such a learning curve. Like I, yeah, I, I, for, it took me probably 10 years to actually get enough of the basics in my muscle memory that using Vim was faster than just using regular text editing. Yeah, uh, but I do. I use Vim mode in Sublime Text now too. I do not use Vim mode in anything, just because I've got a slight bug with Vim on at least one server where, for whatever reason, I can't 
add a new line and type on it. And I think that's just a, a weird setting on that server. So uh, I, I've been having a little argument with Vim. It, I love, I like it. It works. Um, and I've taken many of the things from Vim, like multiple cursors, and and implemented that elsewhere. So I can, you know, have the same have a cursor on four or fourteen lines and type, and what I type appears on all of those lines simultaneously wherever yes. the cursor is. So it could be at the beginning of some of those lines and the end of some of those lines. Love that feature, but that exists in lots of different. Uh, text editing programs so yes. multiple cursors are my friend and i've I've learned many many things from vim but uh, i don't use vim mode unless i'm using vim <laughs> <laughs> so brett one one last thing before we go um an automator gets a new job you know so you you are uh, you're working for the man now uh, can you say where you're working for or is that a secret yeah yeah i, I work at oracle okay so you know uh they recognized your uh you know your brilliance in this stuff and they brought you in but i'm sure that as soon as you got there there was a bunch of stuff going on that felt manual and you had to bring your automation skills to bear what'd you do how'd you go about it well so i mean i've only been at the job for a few weeks now and honestly the first week was a whirlwind of ethics videos and onboarding stuff sure now that I'm like into, that's, that's, by the way, you can thank my profession for that. So. <laughs> oh, now that I'm kind of into the the groove on it, I have to use things like uh, Exchange servers and uh, VPNs that I've never had to deal with, at least not for the last decade of my life. Um, and they're like, I can't use MailMate, which is where all my all of my email automation is in MailMate. And actually, that's a lie. I did figure out how to get MailMate to connect to their SSO or their OAuth. Anyway, like I have been having to figure out how to use the tools I love with the tools that they allow. And like I have a work laptop that I, I'm not supposed to install things like Keyboard Maestro on. And so, yeah, like a lot of it has been compromising to work with the available tools. Uh, however, my job is, includes a lot of markdown and they're even going to be building out some content in Jekyll. And -hmm. these are things that like, I have a ton of tools written for. And so as long as I'm editing markdown, I'm using all of my favorite tools and, and it, they translate well. I'm lucky to have found a job that their first, first thing they said was, oh, and we want to switch everything to markdown. And I said, yeah, I can work with that. Yeah. So, okay. Now that you've landed right in the middle of my wheelhouse, let's talk. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's always a good sign, isn't it? I have to say one of the things that uh, I looked at, because I also have a new jobby job, which uh, as we record, I've yet to start. As this episode releases, I will have actually been in it for a little while. We're recording ahead just to make sure we, we don't fall behind on episodes if I'm potentially uh, unexpectedly busy. Um, but, uh, one of the things that was appealing was like, yeah, so we're just going to ship you whatever you lap- laptop you'd like directly from the manufacturer. It's like, oh, yeah, you're, you're not going to lock it down with a whole bunch of, th- yeah, okay, we're good. Yeah. I can install, you know, bunch and keyboard maestro and things like that. Yeah. M- that mine came thing. locked down. Yeah. It even had, it even had requirements when you, when you change your password, it requires the character, the non-alphanumeric character in your yeah. password which I don't, I tend to write, I like uh, multi-word passwords with spaces in them. 
They're easy to remember and hard to crack, and they don't necessarily need non-alphanumeric characters yeah. in them. But I didn't get the I didn't get that choice. Mm, yeah, just put it in brackets next time. There you go. <laughs> but I suppose I could just use a quote. Mm. Somebody was telling me one of the most common like hacker techniques is to like throw the dictionary at it with an exclamation mm-hmm. point at the end of each word, and yep. that like cracks a lot of passwords. Yep, pretty much, because the exclamation mark uh, for people who, who don't remember off the top of their head is shift one. Uh, and so that's what a lot of people use, uh, which is uh, unfortunate because uh, I used to use that a lot before companies started requiring you to add a non-alphanumeric character to your password, at which point I was like, yeah, everybody's going to use an exclamation mark. So now I yep. need to pick something else. Uh, and I did. Um, but uh, I also thankfully use one password for pretty much everything. So I need to check what my new job would like me to use there. Do you want do you want to hear about the the automation that I'm working on but have not solved yet? Yes. Oh, yes, please. So, I Better Touch Tool can function as your default browser and perform uh actions if a if a URL matches a certain uh uh regex or or like wildcard string and then anything else it can pass off to your default browser. And so I want to have it so mm-hmm. that when I click a work Zoom URL, it uh, it pipes that into a bunch that opens up the correct notebook for me, uh, opens up Zoom, and sets my audio outputs because I for Zoom meetings, I don't want to wear headphones. Uh, it, I just do better with like speakers if I don't have to record my audio. So change my audio settings and... Mm-hmm basically auto, like get my meetings all set up just by clicking on a zoom url i'm having a little trouble with the better touch tool part of it but yeah. it's gonna work I, i'm talking to andreas right now it's gonna work it's gonna be a cool automation i feel like better touch tool you know because andreas the developer has kind of gone 100 percent on that app the last few years yeah and I don't think the community, myself included, have acknowledged enough of what he has done because that started out as an app to say, oh, this is where you can add cool features to your touchpad, right? You know, Mm -hmm. to your trackpad. But it is so much more than that now. I mean, there's just so many ways to to make that app dance for you that um, there's almost not a problem on your Mac that you can't solve with it. Yeah, it is. It's insane. It's powerful. And Andreas actually helped with several features in Bunch. Like he is when it comes to automation, he's he's my guy. Um, and yeah, honestly, like even on my work laptop, there's no way I was working without installing Better Touch Tool. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, the app that I was using, um, or or and actually, I'm still using. I've not yet switched over to Better Touch Tool. Um, for this is Choosy. Um, and, yeah. and choosy works the, the same way, pretty much. Um, which and, is the problem. Yeah. That's what I'm talking to Andreas about is I want choosy to be the default fallback browser. But when I try to add it as a custom URL command, better touch tool is erasing my custom command. If I can solve that one little problem, this automation I'm talking about is cake. It's done. Yeah. Yeah. No, choosy is, is great because as well as matching like part of a URL, so you can say, you know, Facebook only ever opens in this, this, uh, you know, browser or something. You can also say, hey, anything from Microsoft Teams should please open in, in this browser um, and stuff like that, which is 
you know, I love the fact that you can use the source application as well as um, URLs and modifier keys and all of that jazz. Um, because if you, you know, occasionally, you know, need to be able to do personal stuff on your Mac, which I, I've had before um, on, on your work Mac, then it's nice to be able to segregate that off to another browser and, and stuff like that. And so just being able to say, yeah, okay. So anything that, you know, contains com should open, please, in, in Firefox nightly rather than regular Firefox, because that's what I'm using on this Mac for my personal stuff. Here's where I shot myself in the foot. Um, I had a, a choosy rule that any Zoom link just opened Zoom directly, so I didn't get a bunch of Zoom browser tabs. Right. But Oracle has, a, you have to do a single sign-on authorization to get into the Zoom meetings. So that requires going to the browser first where it picks up your cookie or ask for your login and then open Zoom. So at first, I I was clicking the Zoom links to join the meeting and it was sending me to an empty Zoom meeting because I didn't have my SSO credentials. And uh, I had to get, I was on, I had tech support controlling my machine while I watched and it dawned on me that I had been hijacking the zoom urls so i had to disable that rule in order to use oracle zoom but yeah. uh, it is an amazing feature i, I just had a problem myself recently with better touch tools that i for you know you occasionally click that green button traffic button yeah. on your window and it goes into full screen mode which is kind of a train wreck and i i didn't realize until recently you can program those buttons in better touch yep. tool so now yep. if I click on mm -hmm. it, it just makes it a full screen window as opposed to full screen mode, if that makes sense. Yep. And then if I right click it, then it goes into full screen mode, which I hopefully will never do. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I pretty much just hijacked that with um, Moom because Moom can, yeah. can do stuff with those yeah. buttons too. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a nerd challenge for you guys uh, before we go. I am struggling with window management on a laptop. I cannot seem to figure it out. I've been trying to like work it out. Like I've done it where I just keep everything on one screen and then I just, you know, um, use the, what is it? Discover mode or whatever on the Mac where it puts all the windows on the screen so you can jump. Mission between. control. Mission control. There you go. And then I've tried and that doesn't really work because I get too many windows and it's just, it's just a mess. I don't know where to look for them. And then I've tried putting them in full screen mode, which can work, you know, then you just go to the dock or up to the top and you can get to the one you want. But then you've got windows that are like five screens away from each other. And I can't, I just can't seem to get a satisfactory solution for window management on a laptop. How do you guys do it? Portable external monitor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So the the answer to the question, David, is I cheat. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, to be fair, um, it, it helps having a larger size laptop, uh, which is why uh, my, my new job is giving me a 16-inch MacBook Pro rather than the M1 MacBook Pro that I was kind of eyeing up uh, just because, you know, on on those uh, one day a week that I'm, I'm in the office, a.k.a. a conference room, because there will no longer be an office. Um, you know, it's it's going to be easier to have a 16-inch screen, and I am definitely planning on taking my portable monitor there, which is another 15 inches of screen. Um, so so that'll be extra space. But um, also, um, I tend to work from the the middle space on my monitor, um, on on my laptop rather than the leftmost space, which is what 
I used to do. And I think that's the default for a lot of people. And then I know it's a couple of swipes to the right, a couple of swipes to the left. If you have not disabled automatically rearranging spaces in, in the yeah. mission control preferences for, for everybody listening, please, please, please do that. Because otherwise, macOS magically rearranges things for you. And what was three swipes right is now one swipe right. And you just swipe straight past it and you feel like you're going insane. Yeah. Um, and ca- it's easy to drag those around. Road. I yeah, call that yeah, gaslight it, mode because like every time it was just there and now it's not there. And that's the default behavior to rearrange that on you. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. I can't do spaces, man. Yeah. I, like, I love the idea. And back in my, back in my Linux days, there were like window managers that were kind of like built around that idea. And I, I just, it never translated for me. I, I don't, I do really well with command tab using keyboard maestro's app switcher. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I just, I have a cluttered screen. I'm just used to that. I, I get through, I switch apps just using command tab. Like, yeah. Some of my apps have hyper key shortcuts to get to them, like my core apps. But for the most part, I'm I'm just command tabbing through a pile of windows. I think that would be easier than the way I've been doing it with mission control because everything's in a different place every time you hit mission control. And that gets frustrating. Well, and a lot of windows all look the same in mission control. It's yeah. like at some point you're just reading the icons anyway. So why not just use command tab? So mission control is the one where you see all of the windows for the application. So I actually, yeah. I, 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 I very rarely use that. I have it. It's actually a hot corner, but I, I practically never use it. But what I use instead is viewing all of the windows of my current application because I yeah. frequently have a lot of windows open for my current application. So being able to switch there with the app switcher using command tab, either with the default Mac OS one or or the the keyboard maestro one, which I'm I'm playing with. I'm not sure about yet. I, you know, it's one of those things where I've been doing something for a very long time one way. So do I really want to change it? You know, if it's not broken, don't change it but at the same time automation automation possibilities uh but you know switching to the right application and then going okay here are all the windows that's the one i want go because you know it's it's rare that i'm gonna have a hundred windows open in an application if i do it's usually finder because i've been opening the same finder window again and again and again with uh stream deck um and then i just merge all the windows and close them and start over (laughs) The, the most hilarious part is if you have full screen mode on multiple apps and then you just tap on anything on your desktop and your Mac will then zoom six windows to the right to the finder. Uh-huh. Like, like in what world was that like the, the, the behavior we would want when we click on something on the desktop? I don't really know. <laughs> it's actually at this point, I just laugh when it does it. It's like, okay, my computer's just going to take over now. I'll go get a drink. Yeah. I just, I just can't. can't so, you, spaces. so, so Brett, you're using one screen and then just command tabbing between a lot of apps. Well, on my laptop, on my desktop, yeah. I have two hu- huge monitors, but yeah, on no, a laptop. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, I'm, well, thanks. I, I actually appreciate that guys. Cause I, I'm still struggling with this problem. And with a 13 inch screen, I actually would like things pretty, I take most of the screen up with every app anyway, but I just don't like the full screen mode like you. I feel like it, it does unexpected behaviors and I don't like having to swipe around to find an app. I would rather do a command tab. That's what I'm going to try. All right. Well, guys, thanks for solving my problem. That was helpful. But uh, more importantly, thanks for helping 
share the news about Bunch because I think there's a lot of users out there and listeners that could could really benefit from Bunch. Yeah, I, I, I think it's for everybody. I think, well, I think it's for your audience for sure. Yeah. I think there are, I think it's pretty easy to approach though. Yeah. Yeah. Where do, where do people go, Brett, if they want to, well, Bunch has its own website now, right? Where, where's that? Yes. Bunchapp.co. Yeah. Uh, will get you the massive amount of documentation I've written for it, as well as a, a pretty slick homepage that I just finished last weekend. Um, and then other than that, you can find me at brettterpstra.com along with my hundreds of other projects and my blogging. And then TT Scoff will find me on any social media service, except for LinkedIn. Well, you have to search for Brett Terpstra on LinkedIn, but I'm I'm there too. That's your fancy. Is there a picture of you there with a necktie on? I would like to see that. Yeah, I think it. I think I have a tie and a white jacket on. Nice, Ooh. fancy, fancy. Yeah, yeah, fancy work, Brett. It's a it's go. a picture from like 2007 <laughs> when I was skinnier. Yeah. I, uh, when I left the, uh, the law job, one of my goals was not to wear a tie. Like I'm still a lawyer, but the practice I have doesn't really involve me going to court. And I just got, my wife just told me we're going to a wedding in a few weeks. She's like, Oh no, you have to wear a tie to that. And I'm like, really? That like ruined my whole day. Just the thought of it. I own so many expensive ties. I used to dress up a lot. I used to really enjoy dressing up and I'd always go to Saks. Uh, I can't remember. There's a, there's an off, there's where they sell all the samples from Saks Fifth Avenue. It's sure. like their basement store. I used to buy so much stuff there. I just don't wear it anymore. The last time I wore a tie was uh, the end of compulsory secondary school, uh, where we had to wear a <laughs> uniform. So I was 16 and I, I wore a prefect's tie and now I don't need to wear ties anymore. Partially because most women don't usually wear ties as part of the outfits though joan watson the the character played by lucy Liu, lucy Liu in uh elementary pulled them off really well i loved her outfits there um but also you know i don't dress up fancy rose i think i would have been disappointed if uh if you weren't the prefect at your school honestly so i was I'm not glad. head girl if that if that surprises you at all yeah I also didn't apply to be head girl because I didn't want to be. Did you guys all look like Harry Potter? Because in my mind, you would. Uh, I mean, we didn't have the robes. So my school uniform was gray trousers, uh, a white uh, shirt or blouse, um, a purple tie and a blue jumper. And then if you're a prefect, you had a blue and purple tie instead. Before we sign off for today, I want to quickly tell you about another show here on Real FM, Material. Hosts Andy Anarko and Florence Ion are veteran technology journalists with plenty to say about what's going on at Google. Follow Google's journey with them at relay.fm slash material or search for material wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to our sponsors today, HPE Tech Talk, Text Expander from Smile and Discourse. Goodbye.